It's on. It did work. I heard it. It did. Hey, we got, we, got good, we got really good topics today. Great topics. Five burning franchise questions. Coming up next. Question number one to you, Charles and Nicola. Will franchise expos, conferences, will they be disrupted? Are they gone forever? Your comments first. Well, I mean, they're definitely disrupted. I don't think they're gone forever. I know conferences are planned for this year, right? I know IFE is pushing forward in New York City. Um, there's some other conferences. They've, in a good way, I think everything's been disrupted. I mean, how many Zooms do we all have? How many digital discovery days are we having? Like the whole world's transformed. Is there a place for conferences? I think absolutely. Is there a place for the traditional expo type conference? In my opinion, I, I struggle with that. When's the last time you printed business cards? Well, yeah, right, yep. Uh, my opinion is this, uh, the franchise expo is dead, uh, and is going to require adjustment because the buyer, uh, has been officially conditioned to do their homework online when there's no conferences for a year, they've continued to buy franchises and they've done all their homework in a digital world. So now that the buyers have even gotten more sophisticated on doing their homework, um, so they're dead for now, uh, but I think they can have a lifeline if they adjust, which Charles and I talked about, uh, and turn it more into a resource than uh, come try my free product. Uh, so I, I think there's abilities there. Um, I think conferences like the multi-unit show, which is in Vegas, uh, I think next week. Um, I think that's, that's a good conference because the persona is nailed. The people who they're targeting to come to their conference, along with matching them up with the franchisor, is nailed. They're, they're probably going to have to uh, adjust their booth situation uh, for the future to keep getting franchisors to pay the money. Um, but when you've nailed the persona of who's going to the conference, uh, and, you know, it's, it, it seems good, uh, franchise conferences as a whole, um, I think are completely disrupted. Uh, what the, the point of an IFA, depending on um, what happens during uh, with COVID during the first quarter of next year, um, do I really want to sit in a room with people uh, when COVID is spreading? No. Um, where can I get that information? Online. That's where all these little mini summits uh, started giving people that connection. But I do think the human bond does not go away, and that's a desire. So I think micro, uh, micro summits, micro conferences uh, are going to be a part of where the future goes. Right, and, and on the IFA end, there's a professional development component to that. So I think it's very different from an IFE expo, right? So I think professional development, professional networking, those conferences still serve an, an important purpose. And maybe well, even more after post-COVID. Sure, but we're going to have to see what, like, I think uh, people have learned that health is one uh, for the most part, um, and then education is second. But a lot of this stuff, you professional development, you can still do online. So uh, question number two, uh, brokers, 
Are they the, the solve to franchise development? Are they the solution? Well, it depends what the problem is, right? But they are there to amplify your franchise sales and your brand. If you're a good brand, right, with a good process, good validation, brokers are, you know, one of the most important aspects of your friend development process, but they are not there to fix your problems. And in fact, the brokers care. So good brokers will not go, you know, show any brands that have friend development problems. So my answer there is no, they, they can actually help point out your development woes and actually show you things that you're probably overlooking. I think franchisors are treating the brokers like they are the portals that you set it up and you forget it. And the reality is you have to cultivate a relationship with a broker in order for them to understand how to sell your brand. You're asking them to go sell your brand without understanding your brand. I think the good franchisors that that do these wine and dine things is, you know, as, as silly as it may sound, the ones that bring the brokers into their businesses and show them basically a mini discovery day are the brands that are going to continue to win because it gives them the, the key nuggets that they're going to be able to talk to the people that are coming to the table. So I, I, I don't think they solve development woes, but if you, if you facilitate uh, a good relationship with the broker and educate them on why you, why now they can supplement your growth tremendously. And that turns into uh, a budgeting tool where it's a rolling budget because you don't have to plan for the fees that you're going to pay to the broker because it only gets paid when the franchisee pays you. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a, a good part of the mix, but you have to be invested in the process to make it work, which is why some of these outsourced franchise sales companies are having tremendous lift because all they are focused on is cultivating the relationship and educating the brokers on and on and on and on and on. So, Plus the FSOs are very selective on the franchise brands they're working with, right? They have to meet those criteria, item 19 validation process. Selective. Yep. Selective in quotes. Well, I, I mean, if you're not ready to support sales, they're not going to take you on. Majority of them. I'm not saying long-term, I'm talking about initial sales. Yeah, there are there are good outsourced franchise sales yep. groups. Uh, the top two that come to mind are Raintree and Fastlane. Uh, but just because I've heard both, both of them, uh, there are brands that just haven't fit their model either. So it's not, it's not one size fits all. So, you know, they, they're not there to solve your issues. Um, all right. Uh, 2022, I'm going to double my franchise. What do I do right this second to position me to double my growth, or if you sold five this year, you're going to sell 10 next year. What do you have to do as a franchisor right now to double your growth? So we're talking about franchise sales growth, not royalty growth, right? I, I look, I hate to say it because it's the only thing I say. So, um, but I think your question, right? The question is want to double my growth 2022. What should I do right this second? A meet with your team. Two, challenge your brand, your brand story, your why you, why now. Three, backcast, go six months into the future. Your sales are doubling. Backcast the pathway you took to change everything you're doing. And then backcast also six months from now, you're failing. What are the things you didn't do, right? So backcasting is there. 
I think you re you challenge your team on your brand story, redevelop or update your why you why now, challenge each other on your compelling value, and then blow out digital between now and the next uh, six months. Digital everywhere, videos, internal. Yeah, yeah the videos. That's the Charles and Nicola special. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, if you want right now, what can I do to move the needle with my team? Disrupt everything. Go work on those genuine videos. Like, why wouldn't you do that right now? And then six months from now, you'll be happy. Um, I agree with Charles. Uh, I don't have a ton to add, but I will leave you with this nugget on doubling your growth. Charles, your question that you kicked off, is this for franchise growth or royalty growth? Right. In my opinion, they're one and the same. Look under the hood, make sure that you're helping your franchisees increase their unit level economics. That will help you grow franchises. And it'll grow your royalty base, right? I mean, sure. incremental sales for franchisees. Uh, question number four, what are the truths of item 19 that should be front and center. You need to drill down on your data, right? So your item 19 isn't just a reflection of gross sales or numbers. Those numbers need to match the story of the brand, right? So are you a service-based uh, brand, a man in a van, low overhead? Well, then that story needs to be demonstrated in your item 19. Are you retail brick and mortar? retail service, you know, what percentage of your sales are from services? What percentage are from static retail sales? What are your repeat customers? What's the average ticket sale per customer? It's all that drill down data. So many brands are missing. And those are all the levers and things brokers and buyers want to see and talk about during the process. All right. Let me, let me give you a challenging question okay. to your statement. Okay. What, what if your numbers are bad? Um, what do you mean by bad? Like I'm a new franchisor. My numbers suck. Either. Any. Yeah. So what story do you put in item 19? If it's, if you know in your heart that your unit level economics are not what they need to be, what do you do? I, then I have a philosophical issue, which is you shouldn't franchise. Or if you are, then I would go with transparency, show those numbers and, you know, un let the candidate understand what it's about. I mean, I would use the numbers. I, I can't tell you how many clients we speak to after the fact, and it's tragic, where they worked with a development company. And I'm like, why don't you have an item 19? And they're like, well, they said the numbers weren't good enough. And then I look at the company on outlet. I'm like, no, they're not good enough. They're not even good enough for you. So you shouldn't have franchised. But look, if there's, if you're, in a very unique area where there's shifting trends toward your brand, right? Whether it's, you know, a COVID type thing or a low startup cost, and we know plenty of brands, right? And the numbers aren't, haven't materialized yet. Well, then you need to show that data at a macro level, even if it's not good, and then go into the micro on the data to show the potential. I, I think you have to have that item 19. I would also advise don't be afraid to make comparisons to your competition, even on your website. Show how much it costs to get into their brands and how much they're disclosing. 
uh, try to get as much transparency out there as possible. And if your story is not as sound as your competition and your competition has room to grow, then you need to go backwards and you need to say, from a marketing standpoint, how are we solving this? From an operational standpoint, how are we solving this? Um, so at least you have a good narrative of where does the future of your brand go? And back to question uh, three about doubling growth. You need to do that right now, right? Uh, all right. Question number five, what bold predictions do you have for 2022? Is this franchise? Like are we, we talking about franchise development? You can go in both directions. You can go in any direction you want. I don't want to be negative. I, I, I'm too negative. So things are great. So my... I don't know. I, I have no bold prediction. I make no bold prediction. No, oh, you were going to go somewhere. Now yeah, no, I don't want to know. All right, so my bold prediction would be that Bitcoin goes into, yeah, goes over a hundred thousand dollars. But also, I think economically, I, I still don't think the COVID shakeout has happened. And please, I, like, I I love to be the guy and the people. Like, things are great. They're great. They're great. They're great. They are good. Everyone, you know. The economy is doing well. Things are on fire right now, but I still feel like there's going to be a shakeout economically. Um, and I, I think franchise brands, all of us need to prepare for that. Even with the economic shakeout, I think there will be even more opportunity. But I, I think a shakeout is coming in the next quarter. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't focus on your friend development. I would be doubling down, but Many months ago, we talked about zombie brands, right, with COVID, and that's shifting demographics generally, an accelerated change in consumer behavior from COVID. Those zombie brands are still uh, out there, and there's going to be a shakeout. That, I, I did not want to say all that. Well, you know, it's for it's forever on the web now. There's going to be like a there's going to be a meme. When like Bitcoin's at like forty cents, bold prediction. It'll be like, do not listen to this guy at all. <laughs> um, all right, here is uh, here are my two bold predictions. Uh, bold prediction one: uh, the labor market is going to get beat down even more, which the better brands are the ones that change their mindset. So, for instance, I was talking with. A friend yesterday, he's got six general managers of his locations that operate his business. Um, he said they are all driving him nuts because none of them are doing what he wants them to do. And I said, well, what happens if you go down to four, take that money, pay it to four, make them go more full-time and invest in your four best? And it, there was a pause there because I think we're conditioned that how much labor we need to execute things. And the reality is when you, when you go cheap on labor, cheap on a whole bunch of people does not solve your issue. Find people a little bit more quality and elevate it up. Uh, there's, there's a brand out of uh, Dallas called Lanes, uh, a whole bunch of press on, on this company because they paid a restaurant manager at 19 years old, $50,000 a year. Well, what does that do from a story standpoint? It says, we invest in our people. If you come in here and do, do the work, you're gonna get paid. Uh, you don't have to go to college to make $50,000. 
Like there's a lot there. That's a disruption moment. So I think the labor pool is going to get disrupted. I think operational pros are going to look back at the systems and they're going to perfect. How do we work with less? Because that's what the marketplace is, is driving us to. Um, and the other bold prediction, I agree with you, Charles. I don't think the shakedown's over. Um, if you go back a year uh, or, you know, we go now and backcast, uh, take us back a year and say, we're going to have significant buy-in on the vaccine that we've been told to get. But then there's a new coronavirus. It's called the Delta. They would have been like, you got to be kidding me. We're going to find the solve and it's going to keep going. Well, we were talking about this a lot that, you know, both of us felt that COVID could be around for the rest of our lives. It's just in a matter of how it's around. So I think people got overexcited with the idea of it going away, which creates good consumer excitement. But now there's going to be another fear moment. Uh, most likely fear moments cause shakeups. You can watch what happens to the stock market. Look back at the stock market in March of last year. Perhaps that's coming again. So for me, I've extracted a lot of cash out of the uh, stock market and I put it in the sidelines. So if I take that insight because I, I wanted, I'm waiting for it to crash and it will crash. It'll go down a little, even if it doesn't crash completely, it's going to go down at some point. So I went cash heavy. Um, but if you take that insight of how my behavior is working, there's probably humans out there doing similar things, preparing for the worst. But now that gives them access to capital, which if your brand can show them how your brand is a safe bet because of how you navigated COVID, perhaps that money turns them into franchisees. So I think actually, even though, like I, I talked about this a year ago, when the market goes down, franchising goes up, which is true. Like we're hearing really, really positive movement on brands. Um, and when things go good, it just kind of stabilizes. It doesn't move anymore because people are comfortable and confident in their jobs. If it dips down a little bit, it's going to go back up. And now they built up some cash reserves from what happened in 2020 and 2021. That means they are ripe to buy franchises. So my bold prediction is there will be positive movement in Q1 and Q2 of 2021, especially in comparison to 2020 or 2022 in comparison to 2021. And I think that's going to excite a lot of brands, but I think there's going to be a lot of brands left behind because they panic alongside the panic of, of the nation. And when they panic, they scale back and they, they say, nope, not spending anymore. And then they're going to be like a locomotive that halted. And now in order to get them going again is going to take time, which means they're going to be disappointed in 2022. So. That... I think that's the biggest takeaway. There's big opportunity for the brands right now. And yeah. even in a declining market or a declining economy, there's so much market share that could be taken by smart brands. Smart is the key word. I, I had a conversation, a uh, great conversation with a franchisor, talked about how leads work and that it takes six months to mature, blah, blah, blah. Great conversation. Three months later, where are leads? I'm like, do you not remember that whole great conversation we had? I do, but I got to get deals done. Right. So talk to me three months from now. I promise you, like, this is how it works. Go backwards. Look at the data. Ask your franchisees who signed this year. How long did it take you to make this decision? If they all say one minute, then I'm wrong. 
But I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, thanks for paying attention to the franchise in franchise industries number one uh, video podcast <laughs> educational tool. This is Franix. Yeah.